Chapter Twelve of the Royal Book of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Royal Book of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. Chapter Twelve. Dorothy and Sir Hocus come to Fix City. The afternoon went pleasantly for the three travelers. The road was wide and shady and really seemed a bit familiar. Dorothy rode comfortably on the cowardly lion's back and to pass the time told Sir Hocus all about Oz. He was particularly interested in the scarecrow. Gramercy, he should be knighted, he exclaimed, slapping his knee, as Dorothy told how the clever straw man had helped outwit the gnome king when that wicked little rascal had tried to keep them prisoners in his underground kingdom. But go to, where is the gallant man now? The knight sobered quickly. Mayhap in need of a strong arm, mayhap at the mercy of some terrible monster. Oh, I hope not, cried Dorothy, dismayed at so dark a picture. Why, oh, why did he bother about his family tree? Trust the scarecrow to take care of himself, said the cowardly lion in a gruff voice. Nevertheless, he quickened his steps. The sooner we reach the Emerald City, the sooner we'll know where he is. The country through which they were passing was beautiful, but quite deserted. About five o'clock they came to a clear little stream, and after Dorothy and Sir Hocus had washed their faces and the cowardly lion had taken a little plunge, they all felt refreshed. Later they came to a fine pear orchard, and as no one was about, they helped themselves generously. The more Dorothy and the cowardly lion saw of Sir Hocus, the fonder of him they grew. He was so kind-hearted and so polite. "'He'll be great company for us back in the Emerald City,' whispered the cowardly lion as the knight went off to get Dorothy a drink from a little spring. "'That is, if he forgets this Gramercy bludgeon stuff.' "'I think it sounds lovely,' said Dorothy. "'And he's remembering more of it all the time. But I wonder why there are no people here. I do hope we meet some before night.' But no person did they meet. As it grew darker, Sir Hocus's armor began to creak in a frightful manner. Armor is not meant for walking, and the poor knight was stiff and tired, but he made no complaint. "'Need oiling, don't you?' asked the cowardly lion, peering anxiously at him through the gloom. "'Joints in my armor a bit rusty,' puffed Sir Hocus, easing one foot and then the other. "'Ah, had I my good horse!' He expressively waved a piece of the giant's button at which he had been nibbling. "'Better climb up behind Dorothy,' advised the cowardly lion, but Sir Hocus shook his head, for he knew the lion was tired, too. "'I'll manage famously. This very night I may find me a steed.' "'How?' asked the lion with a yawn. "'If I sleep beneath these trees, I may have a nightmare,' chuckled Sir Hocus triumphantly. <laughs> roared the cowardly lion while dorothy clapped her hands but they were not to sleep beneath the trees after all for a sudden turn in the road brought them right to the gates of another city they knew it must be a city because a huge lighted sign hung over the gate fix city read dorothy what a funny name maybe they can fix us up rumbled the lion winking at sir hocus "'Perchance we shall hear news of the valiant Scarecrow,' cried the knight, and limping forward he thumped on the gate with his mailed fist. 
Dorothy and the cowardly lion pressed close behind him and waited impatiently for someone to open the gate. A bell rang loud back in the town. The next instant the gates flew open so suddenly that the three adventurers were flung violently on their faces. "'Out upon them!' blustered Sir Hocus, getting up stiffly and running to help Dorothy. "'What way is this to welcome strangers?' He pulled the little girl hastily to her feet, then they all ran forward, for the gates were swinging shut again. It was almost as light as day, for lanterns were everywhere, but strangely enough they seemed to dart about like huge fireflies, and Dorothy ducked involuntarily as a red one bobbed down almost in her face. Then she gasped in real earnest and caught hold of Sir Hocus. "'Uds daggers!' wheezed the knight. Two large bushes were running down the path, and right in front of Dorothy the larger caught the smaller and began pulling out its leaves. "'Leave off! Leave off!' screamed the little bush. "'That's what I'm doing,' said the big bush savagely. "'There won't be a leaf on when I get through with you.' "'Unhand him, villain!' cried Sir Hocus, waving his sword at the large bush. The two bushes looked up in surprise, and when they saw Dorothy, the cowardly lion, and Sir Hocus, they fell into each other's branches and burst into the most uproarious laughter. "'My dear Magnolia, this is rich! Oh, dear fellow, wait till Sit sees this. He will be convulsed!' Quite forgetting their furious quarrel, the two went rollicking down the path together, stopping every few minutes to look back and laugh at the three strangers. "'Is this usual?' asked sir hocus looking quite dazed i never heard of bushes talking or running around but i confess i'm a few centuries behind times neither did i exclaimed dorothy but then almost anything's likely to happen in oz if these lanterns don't look out something will happen i'll break em to bits growled the cowardly lion who had been dodging half a dozen at once how would we look out sniffed one flying at dorothy you could light out or go out giggled the little girl we never go out unless we're put out cried another but as the cowardly lion made a few springs they flew high into the air and began talking indignantly among themselves by this time the three had become accustomed to the changing lights i wonder where the people are said dorothy peering down a wide avenue there don't seem to be any houses oh look three tables set for dinner with the most appetizing viands were walking jauntily down the street talking fluent china there must be people cried dorothy one dinner for each of us rumbled the cowardly lion licking his chops come on perchance they will invite us if we follow the dinners we'll come to the diners said sir hocus mildly right as usual the cowardly lion looked embarrassed for he had intended pouncing on the tables without further ceremony hush let's go quietly if they hear us they may run and upset the dishes warned dorothy so the three walked softly after the dinner tables their curiosity about the people of fix growing keener at every step Several chairs, a sofa, and a clothes tree rushed past them, but as Dorothy said later to Ozma, after talking bushes, nothing surprised them. The tables turned the corner at the end of the avenue, three abreast, and the sight that greeted Dorothy and her comrades was strange indeed. 
down each side of a long street as far as they could see stood rows and rows of people each one was in the exact centre of a chalked circle and they were so still that dorothy thought they must be statues but no sooner had the three tables made their appearance than bells began ringing furiously all up and down the street and dinner tables and chairs came running from every direction all the inhabitants of fix city looked alike they had large round heads broad placid faces double chins and no waist whatever their feet were flat and about three times as long as the longest you have ever seen the women wore plain mother hubbard dresses and straw sailor hats and the men gingham suits while the three friends were observing all this the tables had been taking their places one stopped before each fix and the chairs after much bumping and quarrelling placed themselves properly at a signal from the fix in the centre the whole company sat down without so much as moving their feet dorothy sir hocus and the cowardly lion had been too interested to speak but at this minute a whole flock of the mischievous lanterns clustered over their heads and at the sudden blare of light the whole street stopped eating and stared oh cried the fix nearest them pointing with his fork look at the runabouts this way please this way please don't bark your shins don't take any more steps than you can help boomed an important voice from the middle of the street so down the centre marched the three feeling as the cowardly lion put it exactly like a circus stop names please the fix next to the centre put up his knife commandingly sir hocus stepped forward with a bow princess dorothy of oz the cowardly lion of oz and sir hocus of pokes roared the lion as the knight modestly stepped back without announcing himself sir pocus of hoax howardly kyan of boz and little girl beginning with thee bellowed the fix meet his royal highness king fixit and the noble fixitives little girl beginning with d that's too long complained the king who with the exception of his crown looked like all the rest of them i'll leave out the middle what do you want little with d my name is dorothy and if your highness could give us some dinner and tell us something about the scarecrow and one thing at a time please said the king reprovingly what does poker want and boz have they anything to spend only the night and it please your gracious highness said sir hocus with his best bow it doesn't please me especially said the king taking a sip of water and there you've brought up another question how do you want to spend it he folded his hands helplessly on the table and looked appealingly at the fix next to him. How am I to settle all these questions, Stickin? First they come running around like crazy chairs, and— You might rank for a settle, suggested Stickin, looking curiously at Sir Hocus. The king leaned back with a sigh of relief, then touched a bell. There were at least twenty bells set on a high post at his right hand, and all of the fixes seemed to have similar bell posts. He's talking perfect nonsense! said dorothy angrily the cowardly lion began to roll his eyes ominously let me handle this my dear i'm used to kings whispered sir hocus most of em talk nonsense but if he grows wroth we'll have all the furniture in the place around our ears now just bump sir hocus and dorothy sat down quite suddenly the settle had arrived and hit them smartly behind the knees the cowardly lion dodged just in time and lay down with a growl beside it now that you're settled began the king in a resigned voice we might try again what is your motto 
this took even sir hokus by surprise but before he could answer the king snapped out come late and stay early how's that very good said sir hokus with a wink at dorothy next time don't come at all mumbled stick and plaster his mouth full of biscuit and you wanted the king asked uneasily dinner for three said the knight promptly and with another bow now that's talking the king looked admiringly at sir hokus this little witty had matters all tangled up one time at a thing that's my motto leaning over the king pressed another button by this time the fixes had lost interest in the visitors and went calmly on with their dinners three tables came pattering up and the settle drew itself up of its own accord dorothy placed the cowardly lion's dinner on the ground and then she and sir hokus enjoyed the first good meal they had had since they left pokes they were gradually becoming used to their strange surroundings you ask him about the scarecrow begged dorothy everybody had finished and the tables were withdrawing in orderly groups the king was leaning sleepily back in his chair Ahem. began the knight rising stiffly has your majesty seen aught of a noble scarecrow and could your supreme fixity tell us aught the king's eyes opened you're out of turn he interrupted crossly we're only to the second question how will you spend the night in sleep answered sir hokus promptly if your majesty permits i do said the king solemnly that gets me out of entertaining early to bed and late to rise that's my motto next it's your turn he added irritably as sir hokus did not immediately answer have you seen aught of the noble scarecrow asked sir hokus and all of them waited anxiously for the king's reply i don't know about the scarecrow i've seen a scarecrow and a sensible chap he was hanging still like a reasonable person and letting chairs and tables chase themselves round where was he asked sir hokus in great agitation in a picture said the king wait i'll ring for it no use said the knight in a disappointed voice we're looking for a man would you mind telling me why you all are so still and why all your furniture runs around asked dorothy who was growing a little restless you forget where you are and you're out of turn but i'll overlook it this once said the king have you ever noticed little witty that furniture lasts longer than people why yes admitted dorothy well there you are king fix sit folded his hands and regarded her complacently here we manage things better we stand still and let the furniture run around and wear itself out how does it strike you hmm it seems sensible acknowledged dorothy but uh, don't you ever grow tired of standing still i've heard of growing hair in flowers and corn but never of growing tired what is it asked stick and plaster leaning toward dorothy i think she's talked enough said the king closing his eyes sir hokus had been staring anxiously at the king for some time now he came close to the monarch's side and standing on tiptoe whispered hoarsely hast any dragons here did you say wagons asked the king opening his eyes with a terrible yawn dragons hissed the knight 
never heard of em said the king the cowardly lion chuckled behind his whiskers and sir hokus in great confusion stepped back what time is it demanded the king suddenly he touched a bell and next minute a whole company of clocks came running down the street the big ones pushed the little ones and a grandfather clock ran so fast that it tripped over a cobblestone and fell on its face which cracked all the way across you've plenty of time why don't you take it called the king angrily while two closed trees helped the clock to its feet <laughs> they're all different giggled dorothy nudging the cowardly lion some pointed to eight o'clock some to nine and others to half past ten why shouldn't they be different asked Stickin haughtily some run faster than others pass the time please said the king looking hard at dorothy the lazy lump growled the cowardly lion but dorothy picked up the nearest little clock and handed it to king fix sit i thought so yawned the king pointing at the clock at this everybody began ringing bells till dorothy was obliged to cover her ears in an instant the whole street was filled with beds rolling up just as if they were taxis laughed dorothy to sir hokus the knight smiled faintly but as he had never seen a taxi he could not appreciate dorothy's remark here come your beds said the king shortly tell them to take you round the corner i can't abide snoring i don't snore thank you said dorothy angrily but the king had stepped into his bed and drawn the curtains tight we might as well go to bed i suppose said the little girl i'm so tired the three beds were swaying restlessly in the middle of the street they were tall four-poster affairs with heavy chintz hangings dorothy chose the blue one and sir hokus lifted her up carefully and then went off to catch his bed which had gotten into an argument with a lamp post when he spoke to it sharply it left off and came trotting over to him the cowardly lion contrary to his usual custom leaped into his bed and soon the three four-posters were walking quietly down the street evidently following the king's instructions dorothy slipped off her shoes and dress and nestled comfortably down among the soft covers just like sleeping in a train she thought drowsily what a lot i shall have to tell the scarecrow and ozma when i get home good night said the bed politely good night said dorothy too nearly asleep to even think it strange for a bed to talk good night End of chapter twelve